Hello, and welcome to the Miles with Grant podcast. As always, I'm your host, Grant Kaminer, and this is episode six. So for today's episode, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit. We're kind of in um, in the bottom crevice of the track and field uh, schedule. We just passed the Olympics a couple weeks ago. If you haven't listened to my Olympic review episode, I highly recommend that. And um, we're also just kind of waiting on the Diamond League to pick back up. Uh, and under 20s are next week as well. So while we're um, waiting for competitions to to resume, I thought I'd do a little bit of a different episode this week. So for this episode, it's going to be a biographical and historical episode uh, where we're going to look at the Flying Finns who competed primarily in the 1920s. However, I'm also going to be talking about Lasse Viren who was in the 70s. Uh, I'm going to cover three, uh, Pavo Nermi, Vile Rotola, and as mentioned earlier, Lasse Viren. However, please note that there are more... Um, people with the nickname Flying Finn. However, these are the three that are most well-known and, in my opinion, are most important to the sport of track and field. Uh, So settle in uh, and uh, just enjoy this episode. As always, thank you for listening. So as I mentioned in uh, my introduction, we're going to be talking about Pavo Nermi, Vile Rotola, and Lasse Viren today. Uh, and before I get into uh, the, the chunk and the details of everything, I do want to say something very, very um, important. Uh, Pavo Nermi and Vile Rotola are very, very closely intertwined. They competed a lot together. Uh, they were seen as probably the the top two runners in the world for a couple years back in the the 1920s but I think it's important that I discuss them each separately Uh, and then um, so what that means is you'll see um, me going back to certain races that Pavo Nermi raced in but I'm also talking about Vile Rotola Um, and I want to do that because I think it's important to note that these were were two different runners. Yes, they represented the same country. Yes, they were, in a sense, teammates. Yes, they were, you know, on the same relays. But they were separate people, and their backstories are very, very, very unique. So with that uh, being said, uh, let's get into it. I'll give you a little bit of background on Pavo Nermi. Pavo Nermi uh, was born June 13th, 19. 1897 in Turku, Finland. He was the oldest of six children, so he had five siblings. Uh, By the time uh, Nermi had retired, he had set 22 official world records, ranging from the 1500 up to the marathon distance. He won nine gold and three silver Olympic medals. And from the 800 meter up, he had a 121 race unbeaten streak. So let's jump into his early life. As I said, he was born uh, 1897 in Finland. 
he was heavily influenced by the English, English runner Alfred Shrub, who in his career had won over a thousand races. Um, I read somewhere that uh, Nermi and his, his friends when he was younger used to mimic the races where they would each run, of course, with Alfred Shrub winning in the end. So you see that from a very, very young age, he was heavily influenced by running. It was a part of him. Um, by age 11, by all accounts, he was already running the 1,500 meters at a 502 um, pace. So he showed signs of brilliance from an extremely, extremely young age. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Pavel Nermi's father died in 1920 when Nermi was just 12 years old. Uh, and because of this, his family began uh, to struggle financially. Uh, so because of this then, Nermi began working at an, uh, as an errand boy um, from a very, very young age. Uh, Nermi would attribute this, his work from a young age as being extremely motivating to him in his running and it provided him with a little bit of an advantage. Um, because if you've ever been to Turku, or you know about it, you know it's a very hilly city. Um, so Nermi said that he would, you know, run up the hills carrying uh, whatever errands he had to run, and that helped him big up, build up endurance strength. Although he was not, although he was not competing at the time, he would later say that this would uh, helped him as a runner. So uh, a couple of years later after this, uh, Nermi began uh, retraining and becoming heavily, heavily interested again in the sport of competitive running. He joined a um, team, the Tarun Early Huli team, Early Earl Huli Teal, Earl Huli Teal, where he won his first race, which was a 3,000 meter race. Um, Shortly after this, Nermi got a new job at the Allberg & Co. Factor, where they produced uh, handguns. Again, this is right around the time that uh, w World War I is just starting out. Um, so shortly after World War I ended in 1918, uh, Nermi joined the army. Um, and because of he showed signs as a brilliant runner, um, his superior officers gave, it, gave him extra time to train, extra rec time. Uh, they didn't, of course, he was still a member of the army. So he was still had to go through basic training and was very, very involved in it. But he was also given a little bit extra advantages to focus on his, his training. Um, by May of 1920, Nermi had already set his first national record uh, when he, he set the national record in the 3,000 meters. And two months later in July, he won both the 1,500 meter and the 5,000 meter at the Finland Olympic Trials. So we're going into the 1920 Belgium Olympics, uh, where Nermi got silver in the 5,000 meters to Joseph Guimont, which this is an interesting factoid. Joseph Guillemont is the only non-Finnish runner to ever beat Pavo Nermi in the Olympics. I saw that when I was doing my research for this episode, and I thought that was very, very interesting, that in the Olympics, Nermi had only lost to one non-Finnish runner. So that shows that he had a very, 
um, talented um, mindset when it came to um, like Olympic competition. Yes, he may have lost other races, but in the Olympics, he could always perform at his best. In those 1920 Olympics, Pavel Nermi also won three other gold medals. Uh, he got the gold in the 10,000 meters when he ran a 31.45.8. As mentioned earlier, he ran um, a uh, 15 flat in the 5,000 uh, to grab silver. And he actually ran a 27.15. Uh, for the cross-country title. I'm unsure if this was an 8K or a 10K. I've seen both. I want to believe it's an 8K considering he ran a 31.45.8. But I also saw um, things that said that uh, the cross-country back in the Olympics was a 10K. However, I'm not sure. I would lean more towards 8K on that. Or maybe, you know, he maybe he cut the course and, and we don't know, but... Um, I would lean more towards 8K. After uh, the 1920 Olympics, Nermi began working on his track pacing. And this was something that Nermi would really, really become known for, is how even he could run his laps. Before the 1920 Olympics, Nermi was a very ecstatic runner. He would, you know, run his first mile all out and just try to hang on and still get the win. However, at the Olympics this proved that it can work sometimes, but it doesn't work uh, all the time. It's not perfect. And Nermi constantly, constantly strove for perfection in his running. And by all accounts, he did an amazing job with this. Uh, to some points where there were um, records that he could run the exact same time for a 10,000 meters on every lap without a watch. He... He got so good at it that he could run the same without a watch, which I think is absolutely insane. It shows how good he got at this and how much he did because you can't just do that one or two or three times. You have to constantly do that to know what pace you're running. Even, even me as a runner, I can't be running and tell you exactly what my pace is going to be. I will have to look down at my watch um, or count my stride. I can't tell you automatically. Nermi probably could. Um, in 1921, he set his first world record in the 10,000 meters. Uh, in 1922, he set more world records in the 2,000 meters, the 3,000 meters, and the 5,000 meters. And by 1923, he had rounded out with world records in the 1,500 meter and the mile. So he became the first, and as of the uh, recording of this episode in 2021, he's become the first and only athlete to ever hold a world record in the 1500, the 5000, and the 10,000 at the same time. In 1923, he graduated from a college in Finland with a degree in math and engineering. Uh, he had gotten a scholarship after the 1920 Olympics. So while also setting these world records, he was also going for a college degree, which is pretty impressive. Um, in 1923 at the Finland National Track Meet for uh, the national championships, he set a Finnish world record in the 800 meters. So that, Nermi is constantly thought of as a 5 and 10 guy, but he, here he is setting a national record in the 800 meters. And you can either attribute that to one of two things. You can either attribute it to, ah, well, Finland 
isn't a track team, of course you could do it. Or you could attribute it to Pavo Nermi is a freaking god. And that's what I'm going to go with. Because this, I mean, national records in every event from the 800 meters to the 10,000 meters, you don't see that anymore. That just shows you how special of a runner Pavo Nermi was. Unfortunately, in 1924, Pavo Nermi injured his knee. Uh, but luckily, he did recover and was healthy enough in time for the 1924 uh, Olympics. And here's an interest, another interesting factoid. Because of the scheduling for the 1924 Olympics, Nermi would have to run the 1,500 meters and then the 5,000 meters on the same day. So Nermi decided one day that he was going to plan out how that would go. So he toes up to the line and runs his 1,500 meter and sets a world record. Just doing that and then an hour later an hour later he runs the 5,000 meters and also sets a world record so this guy set two world records in two very very different events in the span of an hour that's insane and shows he's in shape for the 24 olympics so at the 24 olympics he set um multiple multiple uh, olympic records and also got a bunch of gold medals so he got a gold medal in the 1500 meters the 5000 meters the 3000 team race which i'll talk about uh, in a little bit about how that would work the individual cross country and the team cross country remember cross country was at one point an olympic sport and i do wish it would come back because i think that would be freaking awesome um it's 1924 was the last time that cross country was at the olympics uh unfortunately and the reason for this was 1924 was not a good year for olympic cross country the runners ran in a reported heat of 113 degrees and the course was extremely poorly laid out there was a uh, some sort of power plant or chemical plant that was polluting the air so it was extremely hard to breathe uh by um accounts there were about 40 athletes that were entered and almost half of those had dropped out. Um, so for Nermi to even get gold shows how strong of a runner he was in those awful conditions. So like I said just a minute ago, I'll talk about what the 3K team race is. So it's just like cross country but on a track. So you would run. Each um, team that was competing would have three athletes. So say there were four teams, that's 12 athletes. Points would go 1 through 12. The team with the lowest points wins. So you would want all three of your guys to cross as fast as possible. Very similar to cross country, except it's a little bit shorter. It's a 3K, not a 5K or an 8K. And it's on a track as opposed to cross country, which is not. Uh, Nermi was extremely mad after these Olympics that he was not allowed to compete and defend his 10,000 meter title. And to show them that the Finland Olympic Committee was wrong, just after returning from the uh, Olympics, Nermi ran a 10,000-meter world record. So now, Nermi holds world records in both the 1,500-meter, the 1-mile, the 3,000, the 1,500, and the 10,000. Just absolutely insane. Uh, in 1925, Nermi went on a U.S. Uh, tour where he reportedly did 55 events of running in just six months, and he won 
51 of those events. He only lost, um, he lost a couple, I believe, a 1,500 meters a couple of times, and he lost an 800-meter race, which this marked the first time in 121 races that he was beaten. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about his streaks and how he performed um, at the end of Nermi's um, area. Uh, so when Nermi returned home from this U.S. tour, he lost the love for, love for the sport a lot. Remember, he had been racing pretty much every day for six months. Uh, he felt burned out, exhausted, didn't want to run anymore. In fact, he became a shoe salesman in 1926. Um, in 1926, he also lost um, his fifth. He lost a 1500 meter race to Otto Petzler, and it marked the first time he had lost a race over uh, 1K, so just about uh, just about 1.1 miles in over five years. Um, and after a, dis- dis- a disappointing, sorry about that, a, dis- dis- damn, a disappointing showing in the finish trials, uh, Nermi decided to focus on the longer distance for the Amsterdam Olympics. At Amsterdam, he had a little bit of a slower performance, I say, still getting three medals, one gold, two silver. Uh, he got gold in the 10,000 and silver in the, the 3,000 steeple and the 5,000. Uh, so Nermi in the 3,000 steeple actually injured himself during the semis. Uh, when he, he, by what I, what I can find, he mistimed the water jump and landed on his back. So kind of a freak injury. Um... But he was still able to run the 5,000 and the, the final of the 3,000 and get silver in both of those. Um, after the 1928 uh, Olympics, Nermi decided it was time to retire. But quickly after, changed his mind and began setting uh, world records in much longer distances. He reset the world record for the 10,000 and the 10K. So now he's on the roads. He set a world record in the 15K, the one-hour run, and the 20K. In 1932, Nermi was suspended. Um, I can't find really why. It looks like because the IAF assumed that he had been um, receiving money, um, which of course was illegal at the time if you were an amateur athlete. Um, But again, he was... Uh, reinstated um, for the the 1932 Olympics at the at the 32 trials. Nermi, uh, this so this is the 32 Olympic trials, not the actual Olympics. When Nermi uh, ran uh, the marathon, and in his first attempt at the marathon, ran an unofficial world record. He was also entered in the 10,000, but decided not to run it uh, because he was suspended again. Um, and what actually happened was all these other athletes supported Nermi, said he could not have been, uh, receiving monetary, that they had been around him, that that was not, um, him. And, uh, even though there was all this support behind Nermi, the decision was still upheld. And unfortunately we saw that a lot back in, um, back in, you know, like the 1920s and the 1930s when the IAF and the AAU kind of controlled everything, is once they said something, you were done. Uh, and Nermi, even, even through all of this, he refused to turn professional. He was strictly an amateur athlete. Um, 
And after uh, the 1932 Olympics, when Nermi was not allowed to compete because of the allegations, he he decided it was time to retire. But he didn't do it all at once. He kind of slowly um, rushed into it. He did a couple of like publicity appearance for races, uh, but never really raced uh, competitively again. Uh, after uh, running, he became a pretty successful businessman. He opened up a couple of clothing stores, and he also became a coach uh, for the Finland uh, running team. When uh, Finland hosted the Olympics in 1952, Nermi lit the Olympic flame, which was, I watched the video for that, and that was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Um, unfortunately, Nermi passed in 1973, um, and he, he lived a mostly secluded life after running. There weren't that many interviews or documentaries done about him afterwards because he just wouldn't open up, and he didn't really want to talk to people, which I can totally understand. Um, and even... With all this new technology, Nermi's last uh, record didn't fall until 1996. Uh, one, so, um, one thing I do want to talk about now is uh, Nermi's success as a runner because this has been pretty much unmatched. So from the records I can find, from 1920 to 1934, Nermi raced 271 times. Uh, in those 271 times, he had 252 wins and only 5 DNFs. So if you pair that together, 252 and 5 is 257. So in races that he didn't win or drop out, he only did not win 14 times and we know a couple of those were a couple silver medals in the Olympics so outside of the Olympics he really never lost a race we talked a little bit about how he lost a couple during the U.S. tour but again who can blame if you're running 55 races in five months you know that's a race a week um who can blame you for losing a couple um Nermi actually never lost a race that was either cross-country or 10,000 meters. He only lost in the mile one times, and he had a 67-4 and four winning record. So he won 67 5,000-meter races. Um, and that wraps up my part on uh, Pavo Nermi. We're going to move into uh, Ville Ritola, who was one of... Uh, Pavo Nermi's biggest uh, running rivals. So Ville Ritola was born January 18th, 1896, which is also my mom's birthday, by the way. Uh, he was the 14th of 19 children, and his parents uh, were farmers. Uh, Ritola, um, in 1913... Uh, he and some of his siblings moved to the United States where he began working as a carpenter. Um, Rotola had a very late start to his career by all accounts. He didn't really start competing uh, until age 23. And even then, he did very, very little 
active training up until um, the uh, first Olympics he competed in. Um, in 1919 was when he began his career. As I said, he joined the Finnish American Athletic Club. Originally, he was offered a spot in the 1920 Olympics, was declined because he, he didn't feel he was ready, and he also wanted to spend some time with his new, his new wife. Uh, Rotola actually won a bunch of AAU championships. He won the 15K uh, road event from 1922 to 1927. He won the 10,000 meters on the track in 1927, the 3,000 meter steeplechase in 1923, 1926, and 1927, and won the cross country title five times. In 1922, Rotola uh, was second overall in the Boston Marathon, where he, he finished behind Clarence DeMar, who won in 218.10. An interesting fact about Clarence DeMar was he has won Boston seven times, which is the most for a male ever. And moving, moving a little bit back to what I said, I do want to talk about um, his AAU career a little bit because to um, this is almost kind of confusing for me. He was finished, but he could compete for the AAU, and yet he was an amateur. But uh, an interesting thing that I found in... Uh, his his um, his notes was that he was helped pay for his spot on the 24 Olympic team. So there's obviously a little bit of dealings going on. I'm not sure the extent of them, but it was just something that raised a question. I was um, I was wondering if that was something illegal, or if the AAU had granted him a um, an exemption. But I couldn't find anything on it other than that he did compete in the AAU um, but he also received some funds to help pay for his traveling. In the 1924 Olympics he won the 10,000 meters when he set a new world record in 30-35.4 and his first this was his first official world record. Uh, Rotola had a incredible incredible Paris Olympics when he set the record for the most most Olympic medals in a single game so he won six total medals in 1924 four golds and two silvers he also uh, won the 3k steeple was second in the 5,000 meters uh, second in cross-country individuals first in team cross-country and first in the team race so this is where Nermi and um, Rotola become overlapped. So, uh, as I mentioned, Rotola was racing. He had eight straight days of racing in 2024. So, in the 10,000 meters, that was the race when, as I mentioned earlier, when Nermi was upset that he was not allowed to defend his title. Um, the 3K steeple uh, was not run with Nermi. In the 5,000 meters, he finished behind Nermi. Was in, uh, Rotola was also behind Nermi in the cross-country individuals, and he was a member of the Finland team with Nermi in the team cross-country and the 3,000-meter team race. So after Paris in 1924, Rotola returned to the U United States, um, where he began still working in construction. He worked in construction throughout his entire life, while still maintaining a professional slash amateur running career because 
he was an amateur, but of course we all know what the amateur status meant back then. Um, he ran a couple world records, uh, but they were not counted as official records since they were run indoors, which is surprising because, as many people know, an indoor track is typically 200 meters while an outdoor track is 400 meters, so an indoor time is typically slower. By the 1928 Olympics, uh, Rotola had slowed down a little bit. Again, he's still working in construction. He was able to beat Nermi in the 5,000, uh, but finished just behind Nermi in the 10,000 meters. Uh, after this, Nermi did decide to retire, but he continued to work in construction until 1959. He did become a U.S. citizen in 1937. And in 1971, he returned to Finland with his wife, where he lived until he passed in 1982. Again, just like with Pavo Nermi, I can't find a whole lot of information about um, Rotola's later life after running. Um, it also seems like he lived a pretty, pretty secluded life. One interesting factoid I did have is that in 1982, at... Um, Rotola's funeral, Lasse Viren did attend and was a pallbearer. And that actually segues us very, very nicely into the third runner we're going to be talking about, which is Lasse Viren, who is um, nicknamed by many as the last flying fin. Lasse Viren competed almost about 50 years after Nermi and Rotola. Uh, he recaptured the image of the flying fins, the, the same running dominance, the same gutsy running, all of that. Uh, and brought a lot of um, memories back to the sport for the Finns. He was born later in life, July 22nd, 1949, so almost a half century after um, Nermi and Rotola. Not a whole lot's known about his childhood. He did become a police officer, but he moved to the USA for college, where he attended BYU uh, for a semester. There's some accounts that he did run for BYU. BYU, of course, does mention that he runs for them, that he did run for them. But I can't really find anything that said he did. And even if he did, it wasn't like he won any NCAA championships. I know that for a fact. In 1971, he did return to Finland, where he began um, competing on the international stage. He had a poor showing uh, in uh, 1971 at the European Championships. But quickly after that, he broke the 5K national record. In uh, 1972, he ran an 8.14 to break the world record in the two-mile. So then we bring up the 1972 Olympics. The 1972 Olympics are most well-known, if you're in the United States, for Prefontaine and also the hostage situation. Uh, at the 1972 10,000 meters... Uh, Viren broke the world record for the 10,000 meters despite being tripped and falling halfway through. He won in 27.38.4, which is actually still the current record for the Munich Olympic Stadium venue. So he holds the uh, venue record. He also won the 5,000 meters. Uh, and actually just after the Olympics, he also set the 5,000 meter world record um, running at 13.13, which is still the national record for Finland in the 5,000 meters. Uh, at the 1976 Olympics, he became the first runner to win a double-double, which is the 5 and 10K in the same Olympics back-to-back. -back. So similar to what Mo Farah did in 2012 and 2016. After the 10,000 meters, Viren did remove his spikes, which were um, 
ASICs and the the IOC wasn't really happy about that. Uh, they accused him that he was doing that for sponsors uh, and for publicity and they then banned him for the 5,000. Uh, but luckily he was reinstated about a couple hours before the gun went off. At the 1976 Olympics, Viren also ran the men's marathon finishing in fifth. So he won gold in the five and 10 and was fifth at the marathon. The 1980 Olympics brought him to the, to the end of his career. By the 1980 Olympics, it showed that um, more runners were becoming faster than him, and he was he was slowing down. He finished fifth in his lone event, the 10,000 meters. Uh, outside of of running, not much is really known other than that he actually held a seat in the Finland Parliament from 1999 to 2007 and again from 2010 to 2011. Um, Lasse Viren is, is one of those runners who performs extremely well when it matters. He did win multiple gold medals, but outside of the Olympics, he never really reached a full peak, uh, which is similar to a runner like you could say Marcin Lewandowski in current times and less of a like Timothy Chariot. In 2014, uh, Viren was inducted into the IAF uh, Hall of Fame, and he is currently still alive today, which is, is nice. So that wraps up uh, this part of uh, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, going back in time a little bit and exploring uh, some uh, running. Uh, as always, thank you for listening, and keep on it.